Everybody wants to grow and, oh man, I wish I had what you have. I wish, no, you don't. Enjoy what you have first. Maybe a 700 square foot place or two batting cages is perfect for you. You don't want to be in a 28,000 square foot place and you, you won't know how to handle it. Benny, what episode is this? 32. Episode 32 of The Real Talk Podcast. It's your host, Joey. And Thomas. And if you like what you're hearing, please like, subscribe, and comment down below. Three, two. Let's go. How we feeling, TP? Feeling good. Beautiful day. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful week, actually. Exactly. We, we've we been doing it. we starting to pick back up again. I could feel it in the air. Yeah, we had like what? Like a week. We had a week of just social content and just catching up on things. Yeah, we had the new hire, so we were able to kind of be around... Yeah, kind of crossing the T's, dotting the I's. Yep, we got some we got some fun projects ahead of us. We got TP. You know what's funny? I actually I was watching the Bishop podcast, and the first podcast we were talking about the Tito's event, and here we are, episode thirty two. It's back at the Tito's event, baby. Good morning. Yeah, but it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. Sorry, Ben. So we missed out on the good times, Ben. Yeah, and then missed out on the good times. We're also shooting a video for a logistics company. We are doing a. Seamless video wall installation that they're doing for Walgreens. So that's yeah. cool. Oh, you and JT will be at that. Exactly. We'll be over there. We got the A and the A plus team. Whoa. <laughs> Shut up. And then Saturday, we got Justin Rabinowitz. Shout out Justin Rabinowitz. Shout out Justin. And then I'll be shooting a wedding. Where are you shooting the wedding at? I'm in Manhattanville, New York. Manhattanville. At the, at the Reed Castle. At least it's not Manhattan. Oh, well, yeah. That'd be crazy. Oh, well, yeah. I, the, the, the shoot this week was fun. We just uh, we did a video at a pharmaceutical company. Pharmaceutical it was cool. Manufacturing. Yeah, check out the BTS if you haven't seen it already. Benny put out a sick BTS. It was pretty cool. Follow us on Instagram too, at MediaX Marketing. We never plug MediaX Marketing on the pod, but let's do it. All right. Joe, who do we have on today? Who do we have on today? Ladies and gentlemen, meet Duke Baxter, a true sporting and entrepreneurial legend. With a professional athletic background, coaching expertise, and over hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, TikTok, and I saw he even has a Pinterest. And he is a powerhouse in the sports world. As CEO and head coach at Zone Sports Academy, Duke has trained all Americans and U.S. Olympic athletes. He's also an inventor with two U.S. patents for baseball training aids and creates online video courses. Everybody, get ready to be inspired by Duke Baxter! Going on, sir. You knew when to come in? <laughs> sure did. That was an awesome. That was an awesome uh, intro. What's going on, dude? Awesome, man. It's great to it's great to be here with you. I'm excited for today. hundred percent. We just had uh, CJ Hendricks on the podcast. That oh, really? of South Brunswick, and he said he knew you. Yeah. And yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, what's going on, Duke? How's life treating you? Everything's good. You know, it's busy with four kids. It's uh, you know, some on the baseball field, some on the lacrosse field. Um, you know, so it's it's pretty crazy. My daughter just got back from Penn State, so. The house is full again. Dang. So we're uh, just really staying busy. Yeah, so I kind of want to dive into like uh, your athletic background and how you kind of came up like in your earlier days. Um, so you always had a love for baseball? Always had a love for baseball. I started when I was six years old, you know, playing Little League. I don't know what it was about the game that, that, that made me love it. Maybe my dad enjoyed it. Our neighbor loved the Yankees. So it was almost just like, you know, I just grabbed the ball and, and, and enjoyed it. And it was real a real challenging sport. Mm. And... Uh, I guess it was it was born then. It just at a real young age, I just picked it up and you know started playing it. And you played all throughout, like high school, college. 
Yeah, um, I started up in, in, in Raritan, Raritan, New Jersey is where I, where I started. Shout out to Raritan. Shout out to Lucia's. <laughs> As you like it, uh, was the ice cream place. Um, then went to Bridgewater High School, went to a junior college down in Florida called uh, FCCJ, Florida Community College at Jacksonville, where I then went on to play at the University of North Florida. Then I signed with the Madison Black Wolf, played there for two seasons, finished up with the Somerset Patriots, and just have always been around the game, coaching it, playing it watching it um so pretty much my whole life i've been playing so how was it for you once you got done with playing baseball like where was your mind at i gotta tell you um you know it's it was uh it was a dark place believe it or not it was it was really challenging because going through your whole life as a baseball player and you know everyone knowing you as that and all of a sudden i remember the last game at somerset and it was I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you work out every day, you're eating well, you're doing all the things to take care of your yeah. body. And, you know, it's just a whole nother level of just being a professional. And now baseball's over. And it was, well, who am I now? Yeah. You know, I can't, I'm no longer the baseball yeah. player. I'm no longer the athlete. I'm no, and it was like, what now what? Like, what do I do now? You know, I didn't really take high school or, you know, school seriously. I always wanted to, be a you know big leaguer yeah. and play on TV and yeah. that sort of thing and um, I did do well in you know in college because the the coaches made it to where you had to get a certain GPA yeah. thank gosh yeah. and it was really without that it was just I just wanted to play baseball that's it mm -hmm. you know train practice play but when it was over it was well well now what who who am I even like yeah. we're not wearing a uniform or I'm not wearing a yeah. you know who am I and uh, so I really just continued the love for playing and coaching and then coaching other kids and trying to really just give back to what I loved to other players. Yeah. And that's when, you know, zoned was born. That's where, you know, taking on this whole other journey of how can I stay in the game and be in the game? This is what I know the most. And, you know, turn into something that 20 years later, here, here I am. Do you have any tips on how people can kind of Form because you identified right as the baseball player to kind of leave their uh, what they identified with before and to kind of transition into like a new person. Yeah, I think that you know what I did was was it wasn't you know I'm not Duke Baxter the professional baseball player. I'm Duke Baxter, a husband, a father of four. Uh, you know, almost that that plays baseball. Yeah. yeah. You know when I when when I re reframed it to myself like I'm not just a professional athlete that has these other things it's no i'm all of these other things that plays baseball so for all those athletes out there or for all those kids out there that are struggling or maybe they they don't want to play anymore it's like well who am i it's no you're all those awesome things that you just happen to love playing the game or the sport or the other because once that's gone you know you don't want to have that hole in you know the, the, because that's that that that's a scary spot you know because your identity is almost gone. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So for those who don't know, like, how, how would you explain Zone? Zone's a 28,000 square foot indoor baseball and softball training facility. We work with players of all ages, all skill levels. And it's just, you know, I like to say it's a, it's a place where you go, you train hard, you work, you sweat, and you have a smile on your face all at the same time. Like, you know, it's, I think that, when we coach sometimes, um, we have to make sure that the fun stays in the practice. 
you know, you could be grinding somebody out and they can be getting dirty and diving and sweating and exhausted, but yell, yet still have fun doing it. Mm. You know, so kids will come in at six years old that never touched a baseball glove or never swung a bat before. And we, you know, we take them on and it's like, hey, welcome to zone. Let's let's go play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the parents are like, wow. You know, and then the kid leaves like, man, I can't wait to go back to Coach Steve or Coach. I can't wait to go back there. You know, they just have so much fun doing it. Yet, and then they're playing a sport that, you know, is very challenging, but kind of tying in all that yeah. stuff to go with the sport, you know? I kind of want to touch on uh, the early days of Zoned. How did you get your first clients and like, what was like the initial like business model? Because it wasn't just, was it just full on at first or how did it go? No, not at all. It was, uh, you know, really doing lessons, you know, working with kids, having the kid next door being like, ah, you know, I'm, I wish I had, I wish my swing was better or. You know, my son's having a hard time fielding and, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give him a one-on-one lesson. And then it turned into one-on-one lessons outside in cages. Uh, you know, that was in 97, 98 when I was playing with the Patriots and, and that sort of thing. I played for the Patriots in 2002, but after college was kind of like when I was playing pro ball in the summer, but then had off in the fall, had off in the winter. Like, what am I going to do now? Mm. You know, so giving some individual lessons and being like, wow, this is something that I really like doing. And there's, there's a market here and then getting a couple other guys. And next thing you know, in 2002, a bunch of my buddies on the Patriots had the same situation. What am I going to do in the fall? What am I going to do in the spring in this? How am I going to make money? How am I going to, okay. So we brought a couple guys in and then they started coming down and I were like, okay, now let's have classes. Okay. Now let's train teams. You know? So it was like, it just became more and more Then softball started. And now softball's huge at zone. Mm-hmm. So it really started in a, in a small batting cage, with a dream of nothing really, but mm-hmm. having fun in the moment to, wait, I think I have something here that we can do more on a bigger scale. And, you know, now it is, we have 33 employees and guys are in gals are, you know, do what we do, what we love. And it's, you know, it's a fun time. Was there any point during the growth of it that like things started to become overwhelming from like, maybe from like the, the, the business you had coming in or the, mm-hmm. the, the employees that you have to deal with? The, the whole entire thing. <laughs> I think everybody that's an entrepreneur knows that there, nothing is easy, right? It's like you have to stay on the mission of what you have and why you're doing it and what your goal is and what you love. And then you just figure it out, right? Like I didn't really have a, a business background. I had a an athlete background. I played baseball. Like that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And now it, was, now it was like, okay, there's rent and uh, HR mm-hmm. and uh, you know, all the different bills that came along with it. And you're like, wait a second. I don't, ha- I didn't have all the things. <laughs> I was in a batting cage outside. Yeah. I didn't have any expenses or, you know, what happens when a, a client cancels on somebody else and how do you pay the coach still? How do you, and it's like, oh man, I, I got to figure this out and kind of put together a blueprint here for these situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, I think a lot of it was hard. I think it's hard when every time you move up in levels, there's whole new issues. Everybody wants to grow. Oh man, I wish I had what you have. I wish. No, you don't. Enjoy what you have first. Maybe a 700 square foot place or two batting cages is perfect for you. You don't want to be in a 28,000 square foot place, and you you won't know how to handle it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I I if that's what I had it right when I I wouldn't know how to handle it. I never could have been able to do it. Mm. You know. So it's like the incremental bumps that you go through, and it's like okay, then we plateaued for a while, and then we're okay. Now we're gonna go up here, and now we're gonna. Or sometimes this is a perfect example is, you know, we we started our teams and we went from 12 teams to 18 teams in one season. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. We're going to make more money. This is going to be. 
It was a disaster. <laughs> Those extra six teams means we had to get 12 more coaches, which means we had to train more. It Next season went back down to nine. I'm like, mm. this is, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean by you want something or you wish for something that you can't handle that yet. Yeah. So, and sometimes you don't know until you can't handle it. Exactly. Right? Like, you're figuring stuff out. And you're like, oh, we'll just figure it out. Well, everything's figure outable, but sometimes you have to take the bruises to now we can handle 12 again, or now we can, but you know, so I, I think that, uh, that's the, you know, some good advice is don't wish you had more until you're ready for it. When you're ready for it and the opportunity's there, you'll know it and jump on, yeah. but don't just, you know, I wish, you know, looking back, I wished of what I have now, you know, yeah. like then I'm, man, I can't wait to have my own place. I can't wait to have, I can't wait to. Okay, well, now I'm here, and now I already want more. Mm. It's like, stop wishing that you had more when, wow, five years from now, I can only have dreamt I'd be here right now. Yeah. You know, we're always so quick to want to want to level up ourselves, yeah. and we're like, why? Like, enjoy what you have first and celebrate once in a while. Exactly. I think we don't do that enough. We don't mm. celebrate the wins that we get. It's almost like, oh, when's my, what am I going to get my next win? Yeah. Exactly. You know? And it, like, the position that you're in doesn't feel like that that grand place that you thought it was going to be it almost feels like the bottom level again like you're creating a new like bottom level for yourself because yeah. like every time you achieve something you're like all right well this is kind of the bottom now and then yeah. i got to work up to the next thing do you have any tips on because you, you talked about a little bit about plateauing and then trying to get to that next level when you are kind of plateauing what do you do personally for zone for yourself and things like that when i'm plateauing in anything whether it's working out or at zone i get right back to the basics it's like when I have an athlete that's struggling, right? They were they were ripping it up, doing amazing, and it's like, okay, they need a little bit of a tweak. But it's not like throwing 16 things at them at one time. It's like, okay, what got us where we were? You know, what what did we do then? What were the what was the routine that we got into that got us feeling good and right to then take the next step? So sometimes I just take a step back and I just like kind of like analyze myself of okay, what am I doing now? Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to go too fast. I'm trying to do too much, too fast, and now I'm doing nothing well. I'm just doing a bunch of things okay. And then, and it happens to me a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm an energetic guy. I, I'm like all over the place. I'm an idea guy, creative, and I can just go way too fast sometimes. So I, I have to just slow down, write down where I'm at and what do I want to do now with each of these things, and then take them one at a time, mm -hmm. which means usually I'll take four at a time, but I won't take 16 at a time. You know, so when I'm plateauing, I just take a step back, reassess what's going on and get back to the basics and then usually where you are then you accelerate and jump back to where you want to go but you know sometimes throwing too much on your plate at one time to do too many things you don't do any of them well yeah exactly you do everything uh okay do nothing well exactly did you always have this energetic side i did I, I did i always had this and 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 a lot of my and my kids have it and you know it's uh as much as people say, you know, like ADHD or having some of these, uh, whatever you want to call them, you know, it's like, oh, it's like a deficit. It's a problem. It's a challenge. It's like you have a broken brain. It's like, no, you know what? Everyone, every time I'm on a podcast or people watch my videos, why do they, they like Duke Baxter? The reason what they say is you're so creative. You have so much energy. You can, you know, create a drill out of nothing. Well, it's almost that's what my superpower is, right? My superpower is going into a room, being energized and lifting up whoever I'm around with whatever I'm doing. And people know right away when 
something's going on or what's when something's wrong with Duke because he's not a, a level nine. Yeah. You know, he drops to a level six, which is fine. We all we can't be up here forever. But I've always had this energy and this just like love for like what I'm doing, you know, and trying to stay in the moment to where here I am. This is what's happening. And I'm enjoying this. I'm not outside somewhere else, which is very easy for me to be like, what am I doing in an hour from now? Oh my gosh, I have a meeting next. And next, you know, like people will be like, dude, you like Duke's out, out, you know, we're come back in here, you know, and all the, the people that work with me and, and, and friends and family, like they know how to like get me back into like, Oh, Hey, what's going on? Like, and then I, but I've always, I've always had that energy and just a passion for what's going on. And I'm not like this all the time. Yeah. You know, I have yeah. bad days. I have struggles. I have things that knock me down. But at the end of the day, when you see me in videos and you see me at stuff, this is, this is who I am. Has it ever, have you ever had an instance where like, you're not having the best day, but people see your videos, right? And they expect you to be happy and they come up to you and they're like, expect you to be this person that's like online. Has that like ever kind of happened? A hundred percent. And I have it a lot at work. Yeah. Right. I'll, I, I come in by a lot and all of a sudden Teresa would be like, what's going on? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're just not yourself today. Yeah. I'm like, ah, you know, this happened to me this morning. This, and then I'll just like snap out of it. Sometimes you have to talk through things that are going on. Right. You know, it's like, I saw this thing that Simon Sinek uh, had talked about. He's like, you should never cry alone. Right. And, and guys never cry, like very rarely. Mm. And he's just like, you know, crying with somebody allows somebody else to appreciate and show that how much they care for you in that yeah. situation. Right. Like we just lost my mother-in-law and it was like the hardest thing for my wife, for all of us. And it was like, who's going to cry first? You know, and I was the one that said, guys, this is what needs to happen here. You know, because I have three boys and it's like nobody wanted to show tears. Nobody. Want I'm like, so it was. It was almost like I needed to release and, and cry first. Yeah. And then everyone else just started bawling like, yeah. okay, this is okay. Yeah. You know, so I think that sometimes, you know, we try to just grind and just pretend like everything's okay. But deep down inside, you know, you're not. We're going into work and be like, oh my gosh, Teresa, like I'm having the worst day. And I talk about it and I'm go it's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, when I have my athletes do that, I have them journal. Yeah. You know, because when you're playing three or four games a weekend and you go 0 for 3 with three strikeouts and you're like, man, 0 for 3, I'm having a bad weekend. I'm having All of a sudden you turned it into a bad weekend. Yeah. Like you only had one game so far. Journal it down. Oh, man, great, great curveball. I struck out on that. I fouled off seven pitches. She made a great pitch. I struck out again. And then, okay, well, if I look at that, like, whoa, I... I, I, I fouled off six balls. I had a good at bat still, yeah. or I lined out the third good at bat still. Oh, my day wasn't actually all that bad. All right, I'm ready to go now. Yeah. And now they move on and move past it. But so many things just get internalized and afraid to talk to, and no one wants to know what's really happening. And I feel like with social media, that's it's easy to see that. Yeah. Yeah. No one ever cries on, on camera. Yeah. No one ever says, oh, my gosh, I'm having a horrible day today. I'm like, People are just like, hey, look where I'm at. Look at my car. Look at my airplane. Look at my... And you're like, wow, everybody in the world's making a million dollars. You know, I'm doing everything wrong. Like, you know, everyone's signing scholarships. I'm doing everything wrong. And that's what the kids today are just feeling. They're, they're so far behind. Everyone thinks they're so far behind. Like anytime my wife sees something on Facebook, it's like everybody goes on vacation but us. Because yeah. it seems like, right, everyone's, everyone's on vacation. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it sticks out the things that you wish you were doing or what you want to do at that time. And it just like, you know, and uh, I, I think it's challenging, man. It's just... Yeah. It, it, it's I, feel, I feel like it's easy for people to like misunderstand like what the grind is really like 
like you, you hear people like I made it from nothing and then like you have like younger kids who are looking at that like oh yeah well may maybe I came from nothing too and you know I but like it's really like blood sweat and tears like mm -hmm. tr like truly even what would we do like mm -hmm. right it, blood sweat and tears into what you do like nights where you think like there's no way this could possibly work <laughs> like <it's, laughs> we should just throw this away but then the next day comes and that's when you have like a you know one of those good days but like talking about it, I mean I remember when I used to have lacrosse tournaments all weekend and mm -hmm. first game's a shitty game and you don't even have time to talk about it you got to go right to the next you'll get right into the next thing but it kind of creates like this um almost like a callus inside of you that you can deal with things on your own mm -hmm. but then once you realize you can go to others too it's like you almost become invincible at times like learning that you can go and it's creating and it's creating that 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 system around you right that support staff yeah. that people know when things are wrong they know when things are right you know when things are wrong with them they know and it's like that's yeah. what i try to do with when i'm building my teams mm -hmm. you know it's like okay i can either do everything for you guys all the time or teach you how to do it so that you can then do it right i can teach you how to how we warm up and how we throw and how and then you guys run it there's two leaders every every practice and they run warm-ups they run batting practice and when they're done, they call me in and then I come in and hit ground balls and fly balls. And everyone's like, how in the world? Like, your team's like on autopilot. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. so could your team be? Yeah. Like, I just taught them. And they don't do it perfect. They goof off for a little bit. Like, who cares? Mm -hmm. But they're learning how to lead. They're learning how to, you know, there's two different guys every time. And they're the ones that are leading the, some do it better than others. But at the end of the day, the system's there. They know what to do. And it's way more fun when you're accountable for yourself. And you're, you're the one doing it, not just being told what to do and mm -hmm. I'm just doing this. You never feel like you're growing or getting better or have any any say on what's going on. Instead, work it the other way around and empower everybody around you to to do what they want to do. And, you know, don't be so judgmental when something comes out yeah. like, oh, man, I can't put this out. Like, this is not good enough. Instead, just put it out. Yeah. And all of a sudden, someone's like, oh, man, that was a great message. I'm like, dude, I thought that was that sucked. Yeah. I was afraid to even put that out. And then you get that one person that's like, you changed my day. You, and I'm like, all right, looks like I'm going to be putting yeah. stuff out for the next week. For the next week, it gives me one more week to think, exactly. okay, maybe I'm onto something okay. Yeah. Just like what you guys said. This stuff right here is so hard because you don't know what people are looking for. You don't know if the message is good, it's good, yeah. but it's going to hit somebody. Exactly. It's good enough for you guys to put out and the messaging is there. Like, It's going to hit so many people that that one person that's struggling and like, man, I want to start a podcast. These guys did it. Like they said it was hard, but they did it. And now you have guys out there in the world like making podcasts because they're watching you two guys like yeah. crush this right now. Like, you know, and you're not afraid to say, hey, we just started. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you don't have 700 episodes. Like, we're, but when you have 700 episodes, you guys are going to go back and be like, let's go watch episode number eight yeah. and see who we had on. Because look what we have now. Well, we didn't have this on episode eight yeah. or one or two, you know? So. And just loving the process too, because like even in our earlier days, you'll see like we have a ton of mistakes. So sometimes we're not rolling audio. Sometimes the lights turn off. Like we it's just, just each other. <laughs> yeah, no we don't know what, what to say. So it's just really like growing into the process. When, when did you first um, start implementing like content? Like when did you first know you wanted to start making videos, put yourself out there? Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I've always videotape my lessons i always and but i never like i never like to be in front of the camera when someone's like asking me questions but when i watched a video of me working with the kids or training i'm like dude that's a good video like that's good content 
right? I'm not talking to the camera. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. It was just videos of me and showing the energy of it. And this one girl, Kristen, I've trained the team for like 16 years and every practice you would video everything. So we had about 650 softball videos of all the different trainings that we had. And I was like, wait, I need to do something with this. Everybody's asking me about content. I'm like, I don't even have any, but she actually was able to send it all to me. And during COVID when that was the first time ever that I didn't know how to make money, right? Making money was I could go to, I could give a private lesson. I could go train a team. I could go give a talk. I could, there was so many ways, but all of a sudden we couldn't be one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. Our facility was closed. We couldn't do team stuff. We, so everything was gone. And I'm like, what are we going to do? We have this monster building. We have to pay rent. And what's going to, so what I ended up doing was creating an online course to train coaches. Cause there were other parts of the country that were open. There was baseball in some locations. A lot of them were shut down. Our season was shut down, but there was places available. And I'm like, how can I help them? Like, how can I take this stuff that I have and create that instead? Because I can't do anything else. And that's when Dominate the Diamond was born. Dominate the Diamond was born based on that premise of taking the videos. Because I'm not the 28-year-old guy that's ripped and looks good with what I'm doing. Now I'm 49. <laughs> right? So I had a guy tell me, you're not going to be young forever. But, you're, you, but the, what you have in the knowledge and the wisdom of what you've been doing for so long can help so many people. So start capturing what you have and doing that instead. And that's when I started, we started our first course. We have 12 courses now. We have like a membership. So now we help coaches all over the country. We just sold one of our memberships to Denmark. It's a whole little league in Denmark and they're, oh, wow. so it's like, that's when it became, wow, we're helping people. So Duke, get over yourself and just figure it out and talk in front of the camera anyway, because yeah. you're helping more people than you just being afraid to do it. So get out of your fear of that and or else you're not going to make money. Who knows what's going to happen? You're going to lose a facility. You're going to, who knows what would have happened. Yeah. So I just had to, so that's the time where you had to like just grit through it. And then I was like, okay, I like it a little bit more. And okay, I like it a little bit more. Like, okay, I can deal with this. And and now I now I do like it, you know? What are some tips to get comfortable in front of the camera? Do it. Just do you just have do to it. do it. Yeah. You have to do it. And, and I'm sure like 99% of the people out there, when they, even myself today, when I record a video and I listen to myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys watch it and tell me how it is. Like, you don't want to listen to yourself. You don't want to see yourself. You just think like everything's whack, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, so, and you know, and the other part is like, stop critiquing everything so much. Mm -hmm. Like get it and just send it out. Because I used to get it and then try to edit it. And then I'd try to like, ah, this wasn't good. Let me do this. And then it would just sit in my camera roll. Right now I have 27,000 videos on my camera roll <laughs> and 48,000 photos. Yeah. And probably out of those 27,000 videos, I bet there's 23,000 videos that have never, no one's ever seen. Oh, it was probably my best content that I'm afraid to show anybody, mm. you know? And now it's like, or I, I'll never do a live. Like I don't like doing lives because I can't edit it or what if this happens? What if? So it's like the fear of it. I know that it's the way to go and that's what you should do now. And But I'm like, you know what? I don't have control over that. And sometimes if a kid says something or someone's cursing or someone leaves a bad, like I just, you know, I'm yeah. at a point now where I can't, I can't, I can't allow that part to happen to our brand and to what I'm doing. Not that I'm afraid that I'm going to say something that I like, I'm just going to talk the way that I am and it's easy flowing, but you don't know what other people are going to do in situations mm -hmm. that then, you know, so. Yeah.
you want it to be like natural and but you also want to have some sort of control on it yeah. god forbid something happens like that yeah 100 when did you know the uh, when did you see the growth in social media like when did you see that pop i saw the growth in which is like the weirdest platform because facebook it's like impossible to grow on it right like everyone's like oh facebook is just the moms and the dads but for me my audience was coaches so that is moms and dads. <laughs> so I shot videos and I would just, during COVID, I was one video a day on Facebook, a cool drill that I liked. And then there was no reels. There were no stories. There was, so it was just a post. I'd post in the morning. I'd post a cool quote and then I would post a video of something, how to help first baseman, how to, and next, you know, one day everyone, some guy was like, dude, how did you get 175,000 followers? I'm like, I don't even know I had 175,000. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Right. And then it was 250. Now I think we're up to, 268,000 people that are, and I'm like, they're like, well, how are you monetizing it? How are you? I'm like, I have no, I'm not. I'm trying <laughs> videos to help people. But now I'm at the time, now that we have, uh, you know, the dominate the diamond and the online stuff, now we're using it to help coaches. Mm -hmm. Now we are advertising a little bit. We're giving out free practice plans. We're giving out free drills. We're leading them to, so I think that's when I really saw the pop was just the consistency when I got consistent with what I was doing without even knowing that that was going to happen, you know, and I, so every day I just had my plan. Every morning was a quote and every afternoon was just a video that I liked. There was no set time. There was no plan to it really. And it just over time just, just, just started cranking. And I was like, holy cow, like this is pretty sick. Everyone's like, how'd you do it? I'm like, I don't know. Like I couldn't give you my blueprint except for consistency wins. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. Yeah. And you need to have the content, right? That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Like people, it's hard for people to make content, take time to make content. But, you know, on our uh, on our membership, there's over a thousand videos that people can watch. A thousand. Like, how long is it? Like, it takes a long time to get a thousand videos, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that, you know, so it's just time, right? 20 years of doing it and just little bit, little bit, little bit. And it's, some of them are not as clear. Some of them aren't 4K, 2K, they're... But the content is there, so. I think that's what it's all about. It's like the message that's in there. Like I watch videos sometimes where after I watch, I'm like, why am I overthinking about my stuff? Like this person just, just did it and yeah. put it out. Like a hundred percent. And that same exact person has the same thoughts of that you Probably, had of like, yeah. how come I can't just put out content? Yeah. <laughs> say it. Yeah. And people say it to me all the time. Oh, it's so easy it's for you. Yeah. You're so good at it, Duke. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not good at it. And it's not easy for me. I hate doing it. But what, you know, it's like risk. It's like yeah. the rewards of people that are, that, are, that that it helps way outweighs me being nervous or not liking it. Like, exactly. this is not hard to, I shouldn't say it's not because it is hard. No, yeah. but, but it's like, you just got, you just knew it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you, I saw that you had DukeBaxter.com, you have Zoned, you have the Duke Baxter Instagram and then Zoned. Why is it like uh, important to separate the the two brands, like Duke Baxter the brand and Zone the brand? I, I think that's an awesome question. I, I think the the hardest part is that is um, in the beginning it was just Duke Baxter just posting stuff on my like I never put much I never put like my family stuff. My Facebook Duke Baxter page is is only that right. But the Duke Baxter Instagram page when I started that was like it was really like Coach Duke. Yeah. Like here's videos I'm helping people out. I don't put like anniversaries or like I don't use Instagram for that. Um, and I just started doing it. And that's how it started. And then, you know, we had a guy who was like, hey, we should start an Instagram page. And then Instagram. And then we started to dominate the diamond page. And then we, but I think it's important to separate. Um, 
And I think it's hard sometimes. And I and I do all my own content on my on my own. Like we have another guy that kind of that uh, contributes to all of them. But for the most part, my Instagram is mine. I'll shoot a video. I post it. I this. I that. And some people are like, "You're so crazy! Like, why don't you have someone do it for you?" And I'm like, "Because I because when you go on my page, you know that it's me. It's my voice. It's what I say. I might have some spelling errors in there. I might have dot dot dot. I might you know forget things. But like that's what what I post. But I think it is important to separate. Okay, zoned is our uh, our brick and mortar building. That's where we do our training. Our dominate the diamond is." That's all of our online stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's videos, and then there's Duke Baxter when you're just gonna see me and kids and training and or working with coaches. And so it's almost like you're getting a, you're getting to see the life of me, or you're seeing what Zone's all about and what Dominate the Diamond. It's not just you know you'll see one video on all five pages. You'll see one video on all five. Yeah. Like so, I don't know. I think it just makes it a little bit more unique, and it makes it a little bit more. You know what you're gonna get when you go, and then when someone goes on your page, I think they should see what. They're expecting to see on it, yeah. Definitely. Not just, you know, it's random shit. Yeah, get the people what they want. Yeah, like pe- people do want like a like a face to things sometimes. Like I'm sure when some people come to Zone, they're like, I'm excited, I'm going to Zone. Then like I'm excited to see Duke too, yeah. right? Like right. they're not just like I'm excited to see that guy from Zone. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, now nah, we're going to see Duke and all the other wonderful people there. I, I think that's that that's a fine line too, right? Like you don't want as a as a business owner, mm-hmm. like you don't want to make it all about zoned. It is all about the people that yeah. and the coaches that are inside of zoned. That's why they're going there. Yeah, the brand can just people are going to go to zone because of the brand of what's inside of it. Yeah, but you you know, but you have to remember that the people inside of it are what make it awesome. You know, and yeah. so being a coach still, I remember what it was like when I first started out. Like when someone would talk about zone, but they were calling zoned to get a person, mm. you know, can I get a lesson with so-and-so? Can I get a lesson with, they didn't know much about the company, but they knew about where that, how to find that person, yeah. you know, and vice versa. You get a new client that, or a new, um, you know, person that comes in, a new coach, they have zero clientele, but on the first day they have five lessons because people are calling zone for lessons. Yeah. So yeah. they, you know, it's, I think it's easy for um, business owners to just think of the, the business and the entity as like that's, like that's the big thing instead of the micro. and making sure that it's all it's the micro and the it's all of it it's the system of one but yet the people that are like grinding and that that are amazing and and I, we have such an amazing staff like all of our coaches are energetic they're fun they like what they do like it's a livelihood not just you know a place where some people go and they gypsy from this you know this facility then they go over there and they do their own thing over there and they go this is like you know they're here and salaried and insurance and like like the whole nine. So it's, that's what I, that's what I always wanted to try to create a place where people could do what they love doing and get all of it and not have to feel like, you know, they have to work at five different facilities to, you know, keep it going. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's exactly what I'm trying to create here. Yeah. And then you have a, I was on your Instagram, like you have a best selling book too. How, how, how did that all, <laughs> how did that all come about? That, that's so interesting. Um, you know, we, every year we'd run coaches clinics and a coaches clinic are all the new coaches that would come into the facility and we would teach them how to run practices and how to keep it fun and how to, and the first couple of years and even to, to date, half of the coaches never played baseball before. And I'm like, how in the world are you going to coach baseball and you've never even coached, you never yeah. played it before. You don't know how to grip the ball. You don't know how to swing a bat, which means you can't show them 
and, and you can't even talk the language of what you hope that they're going to be, right? They're in T-ball. They don't know anything about what they're doing, you know? So we ran these coaches' clinics, and we realized the importance of how, we need to teach them, like, the simplest things, how to run. They all have to wear gloves. They have to wear their sneakers. They run. They do their warm-ups together. I have them throwing balls and getting them to be like, holy cow, this is – like, I can do this. Yeah. Like, I can, I can play it. So every year we do that. I'm like, man, every year, like, there's a whole new batch of coaches. Mm -hmm. Like, let's take this coaches clinic, bottle it up into a simple, easy to read. I can read in an hour and a half from start to finish. How do, what's a baseball knee? How do I get on a knee? How do I talk to the kids? How should they wear their uniforms? Here's lineup cards. Here's samples of practice plans. Here's how to, you know, all those things. So now it's like, okay, I, I think I can do this when my son's six and he says, can you coach me, daddy? And you're like, I have no, I have no idea. Oh, I can read this book and be like, okay, I, I have enough here to, you know, to, get, you going. to get myself going. Yeah. So that's, so Steve and I wrote that and uh we just that's that's it it's a coach's clinic and uh the first time coach taking on that title how and what he needs to do to respect the game the players themselves how to have confidence when he yeah. when they do it because who wants to do something that they've never done before like and now you're in front of 12 kids and their parents judging you every day <laughs> whether you're good or not yeah. who, no one's gonna want to do that mm -hmm. it's like i'm just a parent that decided to volunteer to coach like i don't know what i'm doing mm -hmm. and i know i don't like yeah. But I'm getting judged all the time. And who wants to take on that role? Nobody. But if you can give them some confidence and a little blueprint on how to do it, all right. Like, yeah. I know I'm doing it anyway. So I, I need to find some kind of resource to help me out. So that's so that's where taking on the title of coach was born right there. That's awesome. I feel like that's such a under, like, I feel like no one thought to write something like that because, like, I guess you had, like, the, the perspective of, of it. Yeah. Do you want to hop into rapid fire? Yeah, we can have some. All right, so we do a, a segment on our show where we just hit you with some rapid fire questions, give us some answers. It doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be short, but. All right. All right. Uh, favorite baseball team growing up? Yankees. Favorite sport out of baseball? Football. Favorite baseball player growing up? Dave Winfield. Uh, best pizza place around the area? Oof, that's a good one. I love Dominic's at the Circle. Ooh. Favorite travel destination? Oof. Well, that's a really good one. I would say. I'm gonna go to Hawaii. I've never been. Okay. Favorite teammate? Oof. Oh, that's a really good. Oh man, Jason Fennel when I was when I was on the Patriots. Mac Makowitz when I was at the University of North Florida. Yeah, that's what I would say. First baseball memory you remember? Well, the first baseball memory I remember was when I was eight years old playing for Raritan. I hit the ball. My dad was actually coaching third, who knew nothing about sports at all. He could, but the, the coach was sick. <laughs> He was playing third base and I hit a ball, you know, the right fielder missed it and then probably threw it to the shortstop and missed it. And he, I'm rounding the base, I'm rounding third and I see the ball and the shortstop has it. I'm like, that's just got his arm going, go, 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 go. Cause he wanted me to get my first home run. Yeah. Right. So I go, I get thrown out by a mile and it was just like, but then the next hit I actually hit one down to the center field and hit the tree. And that was like a no doubt or home run, but there. which was in the same game. And it was just so funny how, my dad just wanted me to get it so bad because I wanted it so bad that he just like it, I it just sticks in my brain. Oh, yeah, what are three tips for etiquette for little league parents that are watching the games? Tip tip number one: be happy for everybody. Cheer on the players because yeah. it's so easy to critique everybody. Oh, my son did. Number two: no excuses. Do not make excuses for your son when he doesn't do something that you thought he should have done. 
And number three, tell them that you love them after the game and you enjoyed watching them play because there's too many times where when they get into the car ride home, they get destroyed about how bad they did and how they didn't do this, they didn't do that. So tell them that you loved watching them play. Do not make excuses for them and cheer on everybody. Benny, do you have a favorite drill you run? There we go. Favorite drill? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a favorite drill. There's a drill that I have that I use two different two different tools. One's called a vector ball, and when you bounce it, it turns colors. Three different colors, red, blue, or green. And then there's a Hiko stick that looks kind of like this, and each leg has a different color on it. So what I would do is, for the kids, like almost like more like their audio and visual and their mental, I would roll the ball, which forced them to have to keep their eyes down. The color of the ball, blue, I would then toss the Hiko stick. They have to run and catch it, and they had to catch the blue part. So it was really challenging to where it's like they're seeing this color, having to remember that mm-hmm. color, and then go catch the same color with this little disc that's going like this, and they have to actually ha- have to have to actually catch it. So I do that with a bunch of different drills when I'm working with them to really get them to focus and lock in. Sometimes they call the colors out, especially the little guys. Like they don't watch the ball in because they're kind of afraid. I would just toss that up and right when it hits their hand, it turns into a color, so they have to call it which means that they kept yeah. their eyes on it. Even when they hit it, it's the same exact thing. So it's just, it's a way to get them to focus and lock in. What's one tip you have for new coaches? One tip for new coaches is listen more than you talk. Listen and understand the kids before you just start yelling things and just trying to direct everything of what you want. Get to understand the kids or why they did something. Mm-hmm. The other day we had a game, the ball was hit to the center fielder. The guy on third base tagged, but at first he was like halfway. So he wasn't tagging at first. The center fielder got it, saw him, and then once he went to go throw it to the cutoff guy, he knew that he was supposed to throw it to the cutoff guy going to home plate. But since he wasn't tagging up, he wasn't sure. Hmm. So he just got the ball and threw it to the cutoff guy. The coach then sent the guy from third, and he scored easily. Hmm. And we're like yelling, four, 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 and he just threw it to this guy. So at the end, they walk in, I'm like, Aaron, I'm like, you know that when that ball goes up in center field, like, the plays at home, he's like, yeah, coach, but when I looked, he wasn't tagging up. So I just threw I'm like, all right, that's good then. That's fine. <laughs> We're going to work on that in practice. But in that situation, even though he did the wrong thing as a runner, like that's still our throw because he still scored. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, okay. So it's just listening to, you know, why did they throw it this second or why or what's going on? Hey, Johnny, how's your day going? And then listen, not telling them how their day should go or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or a kid starts crying after he strikes out. Stop crying. Wipe the tears out. Like, whoever stopped crying when you said stop crying? <laughs> whoever true. felt better when you said feel better? Like, it don't works. be in a bad mood. It's like, yeah. well, instead, you know, Johnny, what's so upsetting? I struck out and I just didn't want to let the team down. You didn't let the team down. It's all right. Let's go play. Okay. Well, like, like that's like listening yeah. <laughs> instead of just, you know, it, Telling the kids how to feel and telling them what to do, like let them kind of do their thing and listen to people. You know? Is there any advice you would have for a coach that's like twenty years into coaching that might be like so engraved into their own style that like they they kind of fail to like they're innovate, too old school innovate yeah. what they're doing. The game is different. The game itself is the same, but the kids and the players are different. What drives them is different. There's no more slapping guys on the back or whipping them to to go work hard, yeah. right? Kicking them in the the helmet or a guy like tapping you on the head, like let's go. You could. There's no that rah rah train until you throw up, yell at kids to get them scared. Like 
that's not how it works anymore. That used that that's how it used to work, right? That's how when when I was coached, that's what the coaches would do. Now it's like, okay, let's let's get them to want to play the game for why they want to play the game. You know, it's like the swag with the eye black and the drip all over and the glasses and the dude. That's just how they that's just how they play now. Like kids are on the on the phones in the dugout, and you want to just you want to just blow a gasket, but for some of them, you know that that have anxiety or that are stressed out or it calms some of them down. Like, mm. if you thought about that, you're like, oh, I never thought about that. Well, yeah, because you're not allowing yourself to even, you know, I find myself sometimes when I'm in a circle and I'm in like deep conversation of what, and I see two kids that are talking and, and I just want to be like, why are you talking? Like, co and I just stop myself and I'm like, you know what? I was able to pay attention to situations, but I have a son that's not. Like, he's just so like, yeah. that he's trying as hard as he can Right, so it's like, okay, guys, stand up and said, Coach Duke's gonna talk, and you're gonna be able to stand up and let's talk. Mm -hmm. People are like, why are you doing? It? I'm like, because if my son sits down, he's gonna want to jump around like this, and he's gonna not be able to. But he's not not trying. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, and then you have two or three kids that are the same exact way doing that. So I'm like, you know what? Let's stand up and talk. I'll I'll take a knee, and you guys stand up, and it's ten times better. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just learning and not like it's not all about us. It's about okay. them yeah. and coach them and doing my 20 years, man. I got, and I always say this when you, when, when there's a coach, okay. The way that you can rate a coach is by how many kids sign up again next year. Mm. If my team's 500, but I get all 12 kids to sign up and now I got six of their buddies that want to play for me. I did a pretty good job coaching. Yeah. Now, if I'm a coach that won four championships, I have four trophies and only three kids are coming back. I suck as a coach. I'm not a good coach. Like, maybe I know how to coach the X's and O's, but I'm not a good coach because I just lost nine kids at, that, that aren't playing yeah. the game anymore because of the way, you know, to chase trophies. Yeah. So I think that is what sometimes some older coaches, it's more about them and their legacy and the, instead of like, okay, you know what? I'm coaching rec baseball right now. I have a B travel team, like, and I love it, right? Like, I love it. Yeah. I, where some guys need to have the A team, the elite team, we gotta win, we gotta Okay, like that's cool. Like that's fun too. Yeah. You know? But it's like almost like forgetting what like you said, you're doing it for it's the kids. Like, yeah. This is what it's about. I I love how you define kind of success as the relationships that, that that's built rather than the numbers and the the accolades. Right. Well, well I think that's what coaches remember. Like and, and players remember every time someone asks me, I'm like, man, I remember when I was nine years old. And we won the championship with the Red Sox. And Coach Tybersky and Coach Rastians took us to As You Like It. And we got an ice cream cone. Like, I don't, yeah, we won the championship that year. But I would never talk about that. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I remember the ice cream and what kind I got. And then I knew that yeah. we couldn't, yeah. couldn't really afford to get ice cream often. And I got a, or I was only allowed to get vanilla. And this time I got vanilla with, and I got to, they dipped it in chocolate. And it created the hard shell on the outside. And I'm like, dude, like, that. I remember that. Like, so it's the memories that we're creating that the kids are going to, or when the season's over, yeah. 10 years from now, when kids are coming up to up to you and they're like, coach, remember me? I, and you're like, or you go to the gym and they're like, hey, thanks so much for all you. And you're like, mm, what the? I, <laughs> I remembered your face kind of, but it was 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and you're like, okay, well, that's yeah. that means that I did my job and I you know, was able to instill something yeah. in them that, hey, now they're coaching their kids and they're like, man, now I know why you were hard on this or why you said this or why you wanted this because- now I'm going through it, just like our parents. Yeah. Right. I'm sure I gave my mom and dad the worst time in the world. But <laughs> now, as when you're a parent, you're like, that's why they did that. Yeah. If they didn't do that, 
who knows where I would be or what I'd be doing. You know, it's like, but then after the fact, you're like, man, thank gosh. Yeah. Thank, you know, and I think coaching and kids are that same exact way. Yeah. You, you got to be hard on the kids if they're late to practice or they're, you know, not goofing around, but when, when not appropriate, yeah. right? But if they're coming late, hey, this is what we're going to do. Or they didn't, they didn't hustle around the bases. Listen, I'm going to, I'm going to sit you for a game, but you know it already. Mm. If you're not busting around the bases, it's only 90 feet. Mm. If you can't sprint 90 feet, then you, you know, yeah. and then the mama, how come my son said, like, just ask your son, Johnny will tell you why. Johnny, because I didn't really. Okay. Well, guess what? Johnny's never jogged again around the bases ever. Yeah. And now when he goes to his middle school tryouts and he's busting around the bases, he's in, he's not even going to realize what he's doing, but. Every, the coaches are, yeah. but when everyone else is jogging and he's sprinting around, he's going to stand out mm. because of something I learned when he was 10. Yeah. You know, like. What's one piece of advice you'd give your younger self? Enjoy the wins. Like I'm always looking for the next thing like we talked about before. Okay, I hit this goal. What's my next one? Okay, I, I played professional. I got my first baseball card, which is all everyone was like, I can't wait to have my own baseball card. Like that's going to be like, I made it. Like, you know. But then it's like, man, I need to get another one. And now I have three cards. And I, what am I, what's the next step? And what's the, the, and it's almost like we, we don't allow ourselves. It's like we jump over the things that we couldn't wait to get. And it's already like, I'm like, wait a second, what, what is going on? So understanding, wow, when Zone was formed, like, dude, this is sick. This is what you always wanted to, wanted to do. Or signing the professional contract and like, ooh, or playing you know, I, I have books when I was little, like all I ever wanted to do was play baseball in Florida because that's where all the good kids played, you know? And then, you know, coming from New Jersey and it's like, well, I played in Florida. Like that's, it should be a sick checkoff. Instead it was, it wasn't because yeah. now it's pro ball. Yeah. And after pro ball, like now it's, it's the big leagues. Ah, you know, I played pro ball, but I didn't make it to the big leagues. Well, okay. But you play professional yeah. baseball, you have three <laughs> baseball, like all these things. So I would just say, slow down and enjoy where you're at. Like I tell myself that all the time now still, like something happened yesterday that was a, a great thing. And I was just like, I didn't even, like once it was over, I'm like, oh, like it, it should have been like such a great thing. Mm -hmm. Instead I was like, wow, that was, and and all up building up to it. I was like, man, this is gonna be so, we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna go out, we're gonna, and it's like the yeah. day after and it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> what's next? So it's just slow down and enjoy everything. Cause I enjoyed the process. Like I love the grind and I love like mm -hmm. sweating and working hard and training. Like that's to get to what you're trying to get to and you're the goal. Mm -hmm. But it's like there is no finish line. Yeah. You know, there, there is a, it, some things have a finish line and then some things just keep on going, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, are you, are you trying to win today's baseball game? And that's, that's the biggest thing. Or are you trying to win your league? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like if you're trying to win the game, you pitch your best guy, all six innings, no matter what you bat the, and then that's it. If you're trying to win the league, you can't pitch your best guy every game because when he's sick, your team's going to lose two games in a row. Mm -hmm. Or if you let the prima donna just dominate and do whatever he wants, when he's not there, yeah. your team falls apart. Like, so you're trying to win the league or you're trying to win the game, you know? So that's, that. you know, we created a, a mental conditioning course that we have for coaches called win the game within the game. And the game itself is like inside, like, how do I overcome when I strike out? How do I bounce back? How do I help my teammates? How do I mentally get a kid ready for, you know, to pitch? And it's like, there's some, there, there's more than just one game. It's, 
You know, and life is a game. It's a game every day. We're trying to win the day every day. Like, did I get better today? Yes. Yeah. Did I? And did I grow as a as a husband and as, as as a father, as a coach, as a business owner? Like, am I growing in all these little areas or or no? You know, there's just yeah. a lot to it. You know. Yeah. A uh, piece of advice you would give your older self. Piece of advice I would give my older self is to, which I which I think I do a good job of this, and that is continue to grow and get better and to learn and be coachable. Like I'm trying to learn about AI now, right? Like I was one of the first to do like an online baseball courses, like online, online stuff was out, but there were no baseball courses. Yeah. Like there was no, so it's like, I'm always trying to, again, maybe this is why I don't celebrate the wins is because I'm always trying to one up my, I'm always trying to one up my next thing. Mm. Like I'm not trying to be better than that person, but if that person's doing it and it's like, if it's intriguing to me or I'm jealous of somebody, that means that's something that I know I want to do, do and should be doing that they're doing instead. Yeah. You know, so it's almost like I use it as a different fuel. Like I'm not jealous of that guy that is doing that. I'm jealous of the fact that I'm not doing it yet because I know I wanted to. It's like someone that has a house in New York City. Yeah. I don't want to live there. So if you have three houses and a $2 million house, like I'm not jealous of you at all because I don't want to be there. Yeah. Now, if you had something else or that I was wanted and you had it that i'd be like oh man like dude he it, it's a totally different feeling right of like and that's like an internal checkup on yourself of all right but you're jealous of him because that's what you so get going yeah like that's just my way of kicking my own self be like let's go like or don't do it but you know, so, <laughs> so so that just becomes you know one of the things so continue to grow continue to get better because the kids are you know, I'm only getting older and the new kids are, are younger. So it's a whole different, it's a whole different mm -hmm. age of kid, mm -hmm. right? I could tell all my kids to get off their phones and stop using social media. And so I'd, be, I'd be a moron to do that. Mm -hmm. Like every kid has a, a phone and it's yeah. like, okay, now only using it at certain times and being under control, like not using it at the dinner table and not when they're with their friends. And yeah. like, there's a way to, mm -hmm. to use it, but to say you can't have a phone and you can't like, mm -hmm. that's what it's, that. That's why people buy my courses because they have a phone <laughs> and the ease of being able to watch a video yeah. on the field. And like, so I have to learn how to adapt myself and continue yeah. to grow and get better and stay up with technology and all this crazy baseball stuff they have out there that test this and test that. Like, cause that's what the kids want. So I can either not do it and, or I could learn it. Yeah. Right. Like, it's like, it's like our grandparents that say, ah, uh, I don't use the internet cause I saw <laughs> Yeah. Or I still have my flip phone because I can't figure. Well, you haven't tried. Exactly. Maybe you have some people that are eighty years old, like rocking out TikTok, <laughs> and I'm like, look, yeah, it's yeah, like, just you can keep that mentality. Yeah. Exactly, I mean, it, can, it could be for you or not be for you. But if you don't go and learn it and see if it is, then you're just yeah. gonna sit there and have one mindset <laughs> towards it. And where can the people find out more about you and Zoned? Awesome, they can find out uh, at Duke Baxter. They can find out at Zone Sports. And at Dominate the Diamond. So we're on all three of those platforms. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I don't have a Snapchat yet, but, you know, it's another thing maybe. Yeah, yeah so thanks so much for, for having me on the show. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. Definitely. And do you want to leave a quote to the people into this camera right here? Sure. My quote is, if you do what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. So challenge yourself. Don't be afraid of failure and just let's go. Keep going. Duke Baxter, everyone. Awesome. Sick.